I mean, it's a, it's a great victory. Obviously, we've got a great field, um, a lot of great players. So, yeah, I mean, it's up there for sure. Hello there. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway. Welcome along for another hour or so of golf chat. All of the latest talking points being dissected in forensic detail because that's what we do here. Michael McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. It is a pleasure as ever to have your company. If you're a long-standing listener, that is. If you're new, welcome. Thank you for for giving us a play, giving us a download, stream, whatever it is the kids say these days. Thank you very much for tuning in. We hope, we hope sincerely we don't bore the arse off you. Sitting opposite, Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor. Busy week for Bryce. Bunkered going to print, more of which later. But how are you doing, Mr Ritchie? I'm good. Thanks for saying it's a busy week for me. You're the assistant editor. Yeah. You meant I, to assist. I wear a lot of hats. Digital editor, no, exactly. assistant editor. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I'm fine. I'm You're fine. doing okay? Yes, I'm good. How's the mag looking? Exceptional. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, that's that's a very confident, no. a very confident yes, answer. It's a very exciting issue, which will be on newsstands next Friday and with subscribers. And we think you will love it. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, as I say, there's there's an awful lot that we need to get through. Yeah, live stuff, DP World Tour stuff, PGA Tour stuff. Golf at the men's professional level continues to be on fire. Well, I say on fire. I mean that not in a, in a positive sense necessarily. It's like a dustbin fire. Which needs it's, put out. I don't know if it is because a dustbin, a dustbin fire is contained. This is not. This, this is, is spreading. Like a wild fire. Yes, it's, it's like I was going to say California, but I don't really want to say that. That's really bad. Yeah, but it is. Yes, it is. It's it's not good. But we will go into all those bits and pieces shortly. First up, though, I have to apologise. We didn't do a pod last week. You were on holiday. I, you say holiday. I say work trip. You sent me on it. You were on a jolly. Yes. I don't get to go in jollies anymore. The offer was for you. I know. Then you passed it on. That's actually true. That's because I don't get to go and I'm too busy. It was very kind of you. I uh, was in Andalusia for four days. How do you say that as an English person saying it properly? Is it Andalusia? As an English person or an English, oh, speaking, English person? speaking person? I should say that. I My go. dad is now <laughs> turned off the podcast. Because I could go, Andalusia, mate. <laughs> Which is very Australian. Andal- almost. <laughs> Andalusia. Is it, is it Andalusia or Andalusia? Or how, okay, so how uh, does one say it correctly? Because uh, you're quite uh, poncy when it comes to languages. Yes, I am. I, well, I studied them at university, but that's... that's when you were there for six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't playing pool and chatting up barmaids. Uh, yes, so the correct pronunciation of it would be Andalusia. Right. So there's a Sardella on the, the C. So in, it depends on that language you're looking at, but Andalusia can be written with an S. Yes. Or C with a Sardella, which creates a... Like THS uh-huh. sound almost. So right, okay, interesting. But yeah, I was, um, yeah, people have learned something already. They came for the golf and they're going away educated. Like I said, if it's your first time listening, it's always we'll- like this. <laughs> <laughs> but Next yeah. week, maths. <laughs> <laughs> neither of us are hosting. No, that. I can't do maths. No, me neither. No, no. But I was in Soto Grande, so that's a little bit west of Marbella, which never been. Have you never been? No. Where, Marbella so, or Sota Grande? No, I've never been to Marbella. I, and someone's going to come out and see you were actually on a trip about 10 years ago, Marbella, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever been to Marbella. So fly into Malaga Airport, never home been there. of Miguel Angel Jimenez. No, that's never his, been there. That's his 
neck of the so woods. So, stupid question. Is it near Murcia? No idea. Yeah, see, I don't know why. It's Costa del Sol. Still doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know. Okay. I could get my phone out and look at it in a map, but I genuinely don't think I've ever been there. Well, it's about as far south in Spain as you can go. South coast. You can see the Rock of Gibraltar from where we were staying. You can almost see Africa on a clear day, actually. I've never been. Have I been to Africa? Hey, Turkey. No. Is it Morocco? That's in, uh, Morocco's in Africa. I always get Morocco and Turkey mixed up. It's terrible. So <laughs> next week we're doing geography. <laughs> Turkey and Morocco. How? Yeah, Turkey's in. Hold on, I'm going to Google this. Just, just hold on. You can edit this out. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, Morocco I'm thinking of. So <laughs> look, easy mistake to make. They're just on different continents. God, Turkey's miles away from Spain, isn't it? Aye. <laughs> so Malaga, Marbella. So go west from Malaga. Never been there. Ben Almadina, Marbella, and then you get to Soto Grande. So Marbella is where all the Instagram people hang out. You see a lot of made in Chelsea, Love Island looking folk. But if you head west <laughs> from that. <laughs> Love Island looking folk. Yeah. Yeah. They're not my type of people, Michael. They're not, and they're not mine either, which is probably why we kept driving. Yeah. But Soto Grande, 100% is. Beautiful, very sophisticated, elegant, really, really laid back. You must have stood out like a sore thumb. Oh, like you would not believe. <laughs> you were, your, were your ice hockey, not ice hockey, ice pole legs. I like to think of them as out-of-bound steaks. Yeah. I just take them with me everywhere I go because it saves time. Are they still jet white? Oh, uh, yeah. Like Dulux paint. And I understand you got bitten by a massive mosquito, which looks like <laughs> you've been shot. It does. It looks like <laughs> it looks like John Wilkes Booth has come up to my leg and pulled the trigger. You know, it's it's yeah, it's improving. So you were playing golf. Yes. And the purpose of that was three rounds Ridiculous of amounts of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I find quite funny is as regular listeners on this podcast will be well aware, <laughs> well aware that I thought it was quite funny when I said, you're going to Soto Grande. He's like, oh, fantastic. And you'll be playing Valderrama. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are, or were, I should say, not a huge fan of Valderrama. Now you have to go on a work trip. Uh. Where you've got to be nice about it. And I understand. Oh, well, wait, 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 wait. Not necessarily do I have to be nice well, about it. Well, as you're indicted, I, you're I probably playing with a pro or something like that. Well, I need to nod some, and yeah, do yeah, the ums yeah, and ahs yeah, in the yeah. right places. Yeah. So you, 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 um, I understand you had your head turned. Very much so. So I think it was episode four, in fact. If, want, if people want to go back to then, when we had Andrew Coulter on the pod, and I said that I think that Valderrama is the worst golf course on the planet and that the best thing that could happen to it would be if it was filled with dynamite, blown up and started again. And that's just because it was too hard for you? A couple of reasons. I mean, one, I thought it was, it, it's really, really hard. Yeah, like, really so that rules 95% of your game out. You're screwed. But the 5% thought, actually, this is ridiculous and unfair because it's effectively a cork tree plantation mm-hmm. with holes cut through it. But the trees haven't been touched. So you find yourself in yeah. the wrong spot. Tough Even one. if you hit a good shot, it looks like a bad shot because you're blocked out. And I'm, the first time I played it, didn't know really how hard it was going to be. I only really knew it as the place that hosted the 97 Ryder Cup. And it has a reputation, I guess, in like the European tour of hosting big events. It's like, oh, Valderrama is a big deal, big deal, big deal. And I was just 
kind of Volvo, underwhelmed. It was, it was the old Volvo Masters, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was the end of the season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You think back to 05 when Monty and Michael Campbell went there, orders merit on the line. And Europe's Eastlake? Yeah! Not really. With more players. <laughs> <laughs> and no handicaps. Oh. But, but yeah, so I was, and we didn't have a four caddy, that was the other thing, so I was just playing with three other guys. I, I came away underwhelmed, is probably the best way I can put it. And when you go with such high expectations and you're left disappointed, I just went, that was shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So on this occasion, three ball and we had a four caddy. I actually remembered more of the course than I thought I would. So I knew some of the places not to go and all that sort of stuff. And at the risk of sounding like I'm backpedaling and performing a handbrake turn U-turn, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was genuinely good fun. It is still tough. Yeah, still obscenely tough. And if you played it for the first time, you didn't have a four caddy, didn't know much about it like I did. I can see why you'd walk away going, "That's just not a normal golf course. It's unfair." But it actually reminded me a wee bit of a, a Scottish Lynx. Mm-hmm. It looks nothing like it. I'm not saying it looks like yeah. it, but in terms of strategy, mm-hmm. need to hit certain spots. The challenge you need to hit that side yeah, of the yeah. fairway. A little bit of a name drop. We went out for dinner the night before. We played La Reserva. Phenomenal. Went out for dinner and knowing I was going to play Valderrama, I messaged Beef, Andrew Johnson, because he won the, the Spanish Open there in 16. So I messaged him and I said, what do I need to know? And he was quite good. He gave me a, a couple of pointers, but very much of the, the ilk that just suck it up, take your medicine. You know, yeah. hit, hit your spots, go in the right places, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, be warned, the greens are slopey and fast. Yes. Those those greens were utter lightning. They must have been 13 or 14. Yeah. But I mean, all things considered, look, do, are there still things I don't like about it? Yes. I still think the 17th is a poor hole. Yeah, you know, It doesn't look like any other hole in the course. I know why it's that way, because of the Ryder Cup and manufactured drama. There are still things about it I don't like, but on balance, I was wrong. It's nice to hear you say that. I'm going to replay that bit. Yeah, clip that up, especially for you. That's your ringtone when I'm on the phone, you know. I was wrong. (laughs) Oh, that's Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Great few days. Really, really good. There'll be more about that experience in an upcoming edition of Bunkered. Also played San Rocky. Good fun as well. La Reserva, mind-blowing. That should be hosting two events, in my opinion. But what a nice part of the world. It's funny because you have this idea that it's just Spain. You know, there's so many golf destinations opening up now because the game's becoming more global. And it's like, yeah, I could go to Bulgaria, brilliant. Or I could go to Morocco or Turkey in your case. You kind of forget about Spain sometimes because uh-huh. it's just Spain. Yep. You just shouldn't forget about it. It was the first awesome. it was the first global tourism hotspot for golf, certainly in, yeah. for European golfers. And then it gets like overtaken by the Algarve and then they were going neck and neck and but I think some of the traditional golf courses that haven't necessarily held a lot of tournaments, like like La Reserva, they're they're yeah. the ones that um I think are good fun to play. Like my favourite golf course in Europe was the old course at Philomena. Phenomenal. Don, Don Pedro. I would play that every day for the rest of my life. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, no, I'll, need to, I'll need to see if I can get wing an invite for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Tried paddleboarding as well. I saw that. Yeah. Interesting. Brilliant. 
So you, you have nothing to say about the apparel? You had plenty to say on social media about it? Listen, I, I, I've, um, I roasted you on social. I don't need to do it on the podcast because I'm well aware that you'll just edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> just move on. Okay, good. Before we get into the latest in live and all the tour shenanigans, it would be completely remiss of us not to acknowledge the, the passing of Herb Kohler. Kohler was many things, but he started off as a bathroom appliance creator. Is that he made toilets? Effectively, <laughs> yeah, and a bathroom appliance creator. <laughs> Trying to think of the nicest job title I could come up with for it. But You're yeah. not going to get to do jingles for adverts. <laughs> Welcome to the new bathroom appliance creator. <laughs> toilets. Oh my god! Fi- but toilet fixings. Yes, there you go. There you go. So. Hugely successful in, in that in that line of work. And then he used a lot of his wealth and invested it into golf, didn't he? You know, he created Whistling Straits in a town named after him after in him. Wisconsin. Yeah, Collard, Wisconsin. The, 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 he was the town's biggest employer and they just basically said, that's what's named after you. And why not? Yeah. I can't wait for McHugh in Scotland yeah. one day. But he also owned, and his company still does, own the Old Course Hotel, the Duke's Course, and... Hamilton Grand, yep. the red sandstone building behind the 18th right. Green at St Andrews. Yeah, yeah. He's ploughed an awful lot of money into the home of golf and I think you just have to look at the the tributes that have come in, the the warmth of those tributes to understand just what a big impact he made on golf, don't you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he was instrumental in bringing that Ryder Cup to Wisconsin and he was a great character. I'm interviewed him, I can't remember when this was, it would have been... It must be 2005, I was thinking this the other day, but it's around 2005, 2006. Yeah, uh, interviewed him in Edinburgh, uh, we went for lunch to some fancy restaurant, can't remember what it was. Well, and I bet it wasn't Greg's. No, it wasn't Greg's. <laughs> A steak herb. bake herb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's the first time I've ever gone for lunch to interview anyone. All right. So, and I was a young guy at the time, I was, you know, I was, 32 Aye, exactly and uh, you that was it you, oh, your interview you had to get your content through the lunch mm-hmm. so you're you're hoping that it's going well because when it was over we had to do like 10-15 minutes of pictures and he was away so I had to get what I wanted during lunch and I remember the first question he, he, he took about 19 minutes I remember <laughs> throughout the whole starter and I think I, I, if I'm right I might be able to find this but I think his first answer was about 1200 words really? yeah 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 and Jeez. it really messed with my flow because I was going to be doing a and a suddenly I didn't have a q and <laughs> I had this like he just went on and on and he was he was great fun he was really interesting and he talked about how he made his money but he was really humble about that I mean he was immensely rich he denied it. It's a funny story, but I think at that point he was like the 38th richest man in the world. Oh my goodness. Something like that. He had something at the time, he had something like 7 billion, 6 billion. A lot of money. And then he met our then editor, Martin Dempster, who's now the golf writer for the Scotsman Edinburgh Evening News. And he met Martin and thanked Martin for sending me. And um, he said, uh, you're, I think your guy made me out to be richer than I am. <laughs> How much richer? I don't know. I think he was thinking a good 25 places on the world's richest list. But I remember looking up going, no, he's, he is actually. He didn't, I don't think he realised how rich he was. Mm-hmm. But he was. I mean, he was ferociously rich. And he invested it in a 
in really clever business. And it's funny, every time you... I, 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 this sounds awful, but every time I see a Kohler toilet, I think of him. <laughs> and then you think what you're going to do. But that's what... <laughs> that, he just had that... Uh, he had a real clever business mind and we're thankful for golf that he brought mm. it to golf. Like you imagine, look what he did to the Old Course Hotel. He renovated that, brought it up to spec, brought it up to standard. The Duke's course is fantastic. That, that never mind the golf course, that clubhouse is exceptional. Yeah. I think the Duke's course is a great course. He reinvested into the golf course. He, it, what he did at the Duke's was he created, you know, those sort of whistling straights, wispy yeah. bunkers. That's what he did at the Duke's. They were all revetted yeah. previously, weren't they? They were revetted previously and then he changed them all to sort of like having the... And I think it looked great because yeah. there wasn't many golf courses in Scotland that looked like that. And that's and what certainly he did. not in St Andrews. No. Why so, have revetted bunkers on a Parkland course where yeah. you can get that on the links down the road? that's what the Dukes has been able to say. Well, we're, we're different to all the other golf courses in the town, so yeah. come play us. And he just had a clever business mind. He was great for golf. He invested a lot of money. He brought the Ryder Cup to Wisconsin. It was a huge success. And he was just a great character. Mm. I knew they always say, you know, people who are quite big, they're quite bubbly characters. He was. He was he was larger a big, than life. He was larger than yeah. life. And but in a nice way. He wasn't he wasn't arrogant or loud. He was just a very friendly, lovely guy. And he'll be very sadly missed indeed as you go and check out some of the tributes that you'll see online. And that'll tell you really everything you need to know about him and what he did. Anyway, let's move on to Live Golf because event number four took place in Boston last week. Now, I'm going to be completely upfront. I missed a lot of it. I feel like this is the first Live event that has largely passed me by. Not only because I was away, but I think it's because it was maybe lacking something that the other three had. Centurion, the first one. Pumpkin Ridge first one in America, Bedminster, the Trump factor, Boston, almost felt like the first normal live event. Yeah, but to be fair, I think everyone said said that was the best one. And I think they said that because DJ won it. I think it had that kind of big star factor about it. I, I caught bits of it. I, it's funny when, you, when you, you see anything about live now, even anything that's critical about live, you get slaughtered for it. You get jumped on. I know you know that. I got that my first experience of that at the weekend. That Talk me through it. What I happened? watched the I watched the Matt Will Fall in One. And I noticed this on the very first live broadcast where Brooks Kepka hit a shot into a green. There was maybe two hundred people around the green and there was some very enthusiastic screams. And it's only like it was like his third or fourth hole. Very very enthusiastic, you think. It's a bit weird. It's the first day. People are going nuts. Mm. And and every time I've watched it, I've just noticed a few things that are a wee bit odd. Like, people are... It live to them as the greatest thing that's ever been. They're really into it. They are really into it. Even the kids. They are... They love it. And that's fine. I just think it's a bit weird. And I questioned... Some of the noises behind Matt Wolf hitting that shot in, and then there's like Wolf noises and stuff. And I've never heard that before at a PGA Tour event for Matt Wolf. Someone may correct me, but I don't remember it. Your suspicion was that they were plants yeah. in the crowd. I'm not the first person to suggest nope. that. Other people have suggested that. It doesn't seem real. It seems like they've brought in people who are gene up the crowd. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was a bit 
Which, by the way, wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing no, if it creates if atmosphere. If it creates noise. atmosphere, then fine. But it is a bit strange. So I mentioned it. I, you know, I'm getting dogs abuse off people who have been on Twitter for since June 2022. Oh, really? Okay. Lots of people have just joined Twitter because they love live and they love golf. And suddenly they're now following all the golf accounts that let, let talk about live. Mm-hmm. But they've been only been on Twitter for, you know, three months and they're like 40 odd years old. It looks like and I'm like hmm. not and many profile it, pictures either. Yeah, and then there's the um, the unbelievably busy Facebook groups that are obsessed with live. Yeah, that get more engagement than PG Tour stuff, and I think this is I don't know. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm merely bringing it to the table. You can't. What I find strange is we've criticised the European Tour on this podcast. We've criticised God knows. Poor Keith Bailey will never speak to us again, but it's our job. PGA Tour, my God, how many times have we slated the PGA Tour? We've mm-hmm. slated their biggest season-ending tournament countless times, but we don't get abused for it. See, when you criticise Liv, stick the helmet on. It's a very good point. As an example, I tweeted something yesterday that I thought was just innocuous. As it turns out, there are no innocuous tweets anymore as it relates to golf. But you'd have seen Dustin Johnson obviously won the individual event. The team event was won by DJ, Taylor Gooch, Patrick Reed, and Pat Perez. And there was this picture that I saw of them all standing next to DJ holding the trophy and the other three, Gooch, Reed, and Perez are holding up three fingers. Now, how do you hold up three fingers? There you go. Your three middle fingers. You're not holding up your thumb. You're not holding up your pinky. Mm-hmm. That is the only way. That I would thought be a you, bit strange. Yeah. That's the only way I thought you could do it, or that any sane <laughs> person did it. Contend we're doing maths next week because I held up four at the start, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't film it. <laughs> but I, I saw this picture, and it was an innocuous tweet because Reed and Perez have got. They're creating almost like the the OK sign with their index finger and their thumb touching. So they're holding up their middle finger. They are pinky and the finger in between, the ring finger, like that. And I'm looking at that picture going, that's a bizarre way to create the number three. Who would do that? So I pointed that out, and my wording, let me just get this, right? Niche point, but the so signposting, not to be taken seriously, but the way Perez and Reed are holding up three fingers is not normal, right? Next thing I know, I'm getting lots of people going, yeah, that's dreadful. That's that's really suspicious looking. I'm going. I wasn't meant to be. What? Apparently, that sign, the OK sign, held a certain way, is a white supremacist sign. Oh, if you US. if you hold it like that, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, this is completely news to me. But next thing I know, I'm getting people saying, "Are you accusing them of being racist?" <laughs> I'm accusing them of holding up fingers. Strange. I mean, that's that's an example of where we're at just now, though, because. It was ridiculous on both sides. People saying, yeah, that's dodgy. No, it's not. No, that's a bit Not necessarily. And then people saying, how dare you accuse them of being... It's the volatility, the binary of you're either really for it or really against it. And there's no great... There's no great... There's no room for nuance. There's no room for humour anymore. You can't discuss it. That's the thing I find quite strange. You can't actually have a discussion about it. And I think a lot of that comes from players on both sides. The way that players are talking about it, has created this temperature that's just got way out of control. 
and I blame them all for it. Well, I, I, I have uh, to blame Rory for it. I I'm a big Rory fan, was, but he yeah. he said some ridiculous things, and uh-huh. you know, you know, walking around, going into the the press conference after he's won the tour championship, and says, "Everyone, I've just won the Super Bowl." Funny, yes, necessary, no. I know there is it, and 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 Rory. This is the thing about Liv. Rory is hated mm-hmm. by Liv players. He is. He's become this figure where they cannot stand him. Yeah. They hate Rory. And he doesn't help himself. He doesn't need to be saying things like that. When he talked about, you know, I, I, I don't want to go to BMW. I don't want to go to Wentworth and see those 18s. It's going to stick in my gut. And you think, just, you know what? That's why we love Rory. Oh, yeah. God. But there's an element. Sometimes you got to play clever. Just keep that in your gut. Yeah. You don't need to tell anyone that. Yeah. It's this thing about Woods. No one had a clue what Woods thought about anything. No one knew anything about his personal life. Until it all came out, but nobody knew anything. His thoughts on other players, he'd ne- he'd never told you a single thing, mm-hmm. and it was intriguing. It was created that mystery. I think Rory's the opposite, but that's the way Rory is. Yeah, and you wouldn't change Rory, and you won't change Rory. But sometimes you think you don't need to say that. That's exactly right. And for, you know, for balance, it's the same on the other side. You see, like Lee Westwood, for example, making snide comments on Twitter. You know about the strategic alliance, just unnecessary. And these people, yeah, I mean, they're quite entitled to. I think it's how angry they feel. I do think, and on on the live side, of, there is a genuine a resentment yeah. towards how Pele and the tour have gone about it, and they are not happy. But make your point better. I think that's where I'm coming from. I mean, Lee Westwood, I think I'm right in saying, is the highest earning player in European tour history. So it was gravy for a while. But now you're telling us it wasn't. But rather than sit down and present the case maturely, articulately, just making wee snide digs. And it's just not helping matters. I know. Yes, okay, there's a court case to come. And maybe people are just, you know, reserving a little bit for that. That's, that's sensible. But I just, whilst it's entertaining and it makes for good copy and all that sort of stuff, what is this doing to the game? Nothing. It's a total mess. I've said this last time. It's a it's a real mess. I genuinely don't know where we're going to be in two, three years, whether this works. Part of me hopes that Liv becomes successful just so it works. Mm-hmm. So God knows if it fails, what's it leaving behind? I know the PGA Tour will be richer, but what will it have done to the DP Tour if Liv fails? Almost part of me wants Liv to be a success because if it's not, DP, DP's got nowhere to go. They are, they are on their knees. At least at the moment, they'll have some sort of relationship with the PGA Tour. There's some tangible benefit for being a member of the European Tour, DP Tour, but not not if Liv, if Liv doesn't make it. And I, I think that this, the whole thing about Liv, it all ties into this um, team element. That's what they're trying to push. And I, I've just, I'm not convinced anyone has any real in, interest in the team element. They're pushing it hard. And Big I think time. that's with a view to... Next year and the year after, yeah. in terms of creating franchises. A long-term look at this as the team. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of fun at the expense of the team names. I do believe that's been, they've made them deliberately bad to create talking points. Yeah. You know, Ironheads and Cliques and Netflix. Majestics! <laughs> yeah. As team names go, they're shit. Yeah. But I think it's they are deliberately I like shit. The bra- I like the branding. I think when you look at it in the leaderboard, I think it looks awesome. <laughs> I don't care. It looks better than what a PGA Tour stuff looks like. Oh, looks- 100%. It looks marketable. It looks, it tailors to an American audience, which is what it needs to do in order for them to be pulled in by it. I see. I don't quite understand how they're going to make this work because 
American sports audiences are, well, you, you tend to go either by where you're from or where you went to college yeah. or school, as they would say. So you have an affinity to places. How are you going to create an affinity to Fireballs GC, for example? Is it because Sergio's in the team? How, how are you meant to get excited about four aces? Are you going to buy the merch? So that's the bit I don't quite understand. But I think that by is the, the same four token, players. It's who's your popular player? And yeah. What happens if you're like, who's going to follow Reed's team? That's the four aces, isn't it? So, is that they, DJ. so who's in that team? DJ. I mean, how are they? DJ, Gooch, Reed, and Perez at the moment. So, I mean, this stuff's all subject to change, but it's noticeable team captains aren't really changing much right now. And I think it's because they've all got stakes. I mean, you're bringing Bryson DeChambeau and you're giving them equity in that team with a view to that becoming marketable, you're creating merchandise, you'll take a, a cut, that's how you're going to create more money, blah, blah, it's blah. The, it's, the, 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 it's the creation of like how many times in the last four or five days have you heard somebody say, that was just the greatest tournament? This is the greatest tournament. How many players have said, you know, I've never experienced anything like this. It's just so good. It's like DJ, you know, have you ever experienced this was the greatest thing? And Matt Wolf, this is just the best thing ever. And it's just... Like DJ, yeah, you've won two majors, no, mate. Oh, come on. You were crying yeah. your eyes out when you won the Masters. Do you yeah. know why? Because it changed your life. It meant something. It meant something. Can't ignore that and then pretend that something else is better. People are not stupid. They see through that. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I don't like about life. I, lift, I wish they would just let it go. Yeah. Just let it take its place. And if people like it, good. Mm -hmm. I have nothing against live. I think it's, if it's creating a new type of golfer or investing in something different, great. Mm -hmm. All for it. Somebody mm -hmm. said to me at the weekend, they were talking about the top golf facility being built in Glasgow and they said, it's massive. I said, I know it's huge. He said, it looks pretty cool. Even the fact that it's, it looks different to any other driving range is exciting. Create something different. Another talking point. That's what I think love, live could do. Yeah, but just, it's not, we don't need constant yeah. PR by every interview. That's actually a really good point because it's got enough about it to be different without telling people we're changing stuff. Uh -huh. People are interested by different, but they resist change. Yeah, that's what Norman's guilty of. He's guilty of like sort of talking up a bit too much. But Yeah, yeah. The commentary's still rubbish. It's ridiculous. That's the first hole-in-one in live history. A history that's two and a half months old. They did that by the first par. I mean. That's right, yeah. But then we had the lowest round in live history. Just chill out. Take it easy. Not everything has to be rah-rah. You can still do all of that without doing it so blatantly and so laughably. Yeah. Anyway, to the event itself. Playoff drama... DJ holding a, a bomb just as well it hit the hole, by the way, because that was that was travelling. I was going. Yes. Joaquin Neiman justifying, I think, or vindicating, I suppose, in his mind, the jump to live by getting into the playoff. Likewise, Anurban Lahiri. Objectively, it was interesting. It was quite exciting. I'm just thinking, how do I, what do I compare it to? What's what's the the most relevant comparison I can make? Is it just any other tour event? Is it more like no, a tour championship? How, how do you decide how big a deal it was? No, because it, it's nothing like any other tour event. And, and it's a different type of golf. And that's why I'm not a huge fan of it because I don't like that. I like the build-up. I like build-up to a final day's play on a Sunday. Somebody on the range, warming up. Somebody's out in the golf course, putting a score together. 
climbing the leaderboard, somebody gets a clubhouse lead. Those things are not in live. Look what happened on the Sunday at uh, the Open where Cam Smith just climbs, climbs, Rory stays still, mm-hmm. climbs, and then Rory's got a hole and a half to try and pick something up to get in the playoff, and it's that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Creates build up. That's not in live, and I'm not I'm not criticising that, but that's the type of golf that I like. Mm-hmm. I'm and I, I, that's why I got accused of being old man media, but I like that. That's what I grew up on. That's what if you look at Nick Faldo and Greg Norman at the Masters, that was exciting. Sorry to bring up Norman, but that was exciting. There was context to that. The build up. Remember the chat before yeah. it when it was, you know, six shot lead, all this stuff. It's, it's finally going to happen. It's fascinating. Yeah. And you don't get that, I live. It, the big thing for them, it's done quickly. And there's this, this thing about golf, there's this obsession that golf takes too long. We need to shorten golf. Fine. That's slow play and stuff yeah. for amateur golf, but golf is 72 holes. Before live, golf was flying. Brands are selling bucket loads of gear. Golf courses are rammed. People are watching it on TV. What are we worried about? Yeah. Do we, do we need live? Somebody said that we do. Go for it. It's fine. It's just not my type of entertainment when it comes to golf. I totally agree. You know, I'm I'm trying my hardest to like it. I want to give it a fair crack of the whip, but for all the reasons you've just laid out, I'm struggling because it's just not what I'm used to. Yeah. Now there are kids for whom, if live goes well, it's going to be the only type of golf they ever know. And fifty years from now, who knows? Okay, but right here, right now, it's hard to get fully invested. And I can't help but look at it and think, well, what does it mean? You know, all right, it's golf. doesn't necessarily mean anything, but relative to other things in golf, what was Sunday? You know, is it a Scottish Open? Is it a Tour Championship? Is it Trophy Hassan? Is it a major? Who knows? You know, it's context is completely absent at the moment. And that makes the buy-in even harder. Then comes the stuff like the hard sell that we've talked about. And it's just, like you say, just... Let it happen now. You've got four events left in the schedule this year. Let them play out. Speaking of schedule, next year's has been leaked. So we now know some of the courses that are going to be hosting live events. Interesting one, we mentioned it earlier, Valderrama. It would be quite a significant feather in the cap of live, though, to have Valderrama host one of their events because, as we said, it's got quite a long-standing history with the DP World Tour. (laughs) You're absolutely bang on, but it doesn't surprise me that they get these top venues. They've got money. My point is it'll be interesting when they take it to, when they take it, I mean, the English event was was good, but it'll be interesting to see when they take it to continental Europe. We all know, European Tour know that as well. That's different. That's different. Bringing in crowds is quite a different element. And then, of course, what what can they do in Asia? Yeah, you're moving out of your established markets, markets yeah. that you know. I mean, for all the talk of the world tour that Greg Norman's been banging on about for decades now, nine events out of 14 in America next year. I mean, that's not a world tour. No, it's not. So that's something I think they'll need to fix going forward. More of a balance, more of a spread. I get it. It's easy in America. You know what you're getting. Guaranteed crowds, guaranteed atmosphere, all that sort of stuff. Easier to manage better for the majority of the big players who are American or based in the States. But it's completely contrary to everything that Craig Norman spoke about back in 94. The other interesting one, no Turnberry, no Trump International Aberdeen. Some people had been saying, well, 
Obviously, Trump's involved, Bedminster hosted, guarantee you the Turnberry and, and Aberdeen run schedule next year. I heard this months ago. It was never happening. All these people saying, oh, you know, I heard it was going to be... No. I can tell you from the horse's mouth, it wasn't going to happen. Now, that could change still, but I don't see it. If Donald Trump... <laughs> this is dangerous because I'm trying to imagine what it's like to be in Donald Trump's head. But if he has any ambitions whatsoever to have the open return to Turnberry, he can never, ever stage an event, a live event, there. Oh yeah, there's the same politics exist over here as they do in America when it's PGA and USGA crossing swords when it comes to venues. The contracts are long, they're done in advance for good reason. Mm-hmm. So you'd be... Uh, that's a whole other discussion yeah. with the RNA. Aberdeen, obviously, it doesn't have any open history, but again... Donald Trump wanted it to stage major championships. You'll not get that. Trump Aberdeen is crying out for something special. The problem is it's not necessarily cut out for big, big crowds. Um, I do think there's how they would work those crowds around some of the dunes, or as he would call them, dunes. I don't know how they would do that. The great dunes of Scotland. Scotland. But it's crying out for a major event because it deserves it. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's an unbelievable golf course. I mean, people who haven't played Trump Aberdeen, give yourselves a shake and go and play it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's also got, if, to, in my mind, some of the best short game practice facilities 100%. in this country. Absolutely unbelievably good. 100%. Final point on Live before we move on. PGA Tour has extended the bans against Live players until the end of next season. This isn't unexpected. They're just continuing to do what they've done up to this point. But the players that are going are getting better all the time. Liv's field has improved from event one to two to three to four and presumably to five and beyond. So is there a risk the PGA Tour's weakening itself by, let's be honest, cutting its nose off to spite its face? Is that is that a fair point? No. If they didn't ban, they would be even weaker because they would all leave. We've all had our head turned. You and I, maybe me more than you, but I, I actually still pinch myself that this is happening. Like, Joaquin Neiman has gone to live. Well, that, that guy's got an unbelievable career in front of him. He's a talented boy. He doesn't want to play PGA Tour golf anymore. He knows the consequences of those actions. He said in an interview in Golf Magazine is out this month that he didn't want to do it. He was mm-hmm. not interested. Gone. Changed his mind almost overnight because somebody said, he's 30 million. Or whatever the number is, I don't whatever know what the that is. is yeah. but whatever the number is, but they're up. They they are walking because there's money, and if Monaghan doesn't take a strong stand, he'll have nothing left. Do you think he's going to that? have nothing left? Isn't there? Because yeah, the that, bleed uh, is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. And everything that they've tried hasn't worked. Ah, uh-huh. because they're still leaving. Because they're still leaving. Because they've got more money. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Somebody said, if you know the PGA Tour. Say in two years, if the BG Tour up their prize money again, say by two, three million, live at the flick of a switch can just double their prize money and create something that PG Tour can't touch when it comes to turnover, money. The only thing they've got over them, well, they've got a lot of things over that live, which is history, tradition, and corporate. And That's tiger. what they've got over live. And Tiger. Well, you he encompasses all of those things. Mm. Corporate's the big one. They've got 
brand partnerships that go for years. Liv don't have that yet. Yet. When they do, then it's a big fight. Watch out for teams. Like we're saying, the names are changing. That might be because you're going to see brands buying up teams. A bit like... The Walmart Majestics. A a bit like Formula One. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to contradict myself because people follow teams in Formula One, which stuns me. You've got people who are fans of Ferrari, fans of McLaren, fans of Red Bull. What's that? How? But they've developed that product and created something that fans now are invested in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm laughing at the idea of somebody in Ohio being into the Majestics or Four Aces or... Stinger GC. I'll laugh at it, but, but I won't it, dismiss it yet. Yeah, give it five years. Yeah, I won't could, dismiss it. Could that be the Red Bull or McLaren yeah. or Force India of golf? Mm-hmm. That's the intention, clearly. But that's what they want. Yep. We'll be interested to see how it goes. Anyway, look, got more to come before we go into the break. Bryce, got your quiz. And this is in honour of my trip to Spain. Oh no! So one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven Spaniards have played in the Ryder Cup. Name them. So you've got a bit of time on that. And if you're listening in the car or at home or in the garden and the swimming pool, the swimming pool, in the sauna, maybe, I don't know. You can join in as well. I'll give you the answers in part two. Loads coming up. Do not go anywhere. To create an iron that performs like nothing else, you need to build it like no one else has. So we constructed the new Rogue ST irons with a high-strength 450 AI face cup, doubled its tungsten weighting for optimal launch, and added even more urethane microspheres for exceptional feel and sound. Every aspect of Rogue ST has been precision-tuned to create our longest iron ever. The new Rogue ST irons from Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway. Just so you know, no podcasts for a couple of weeks after this. Only fair that we tell you. Sometimes we just don't do them and don't tell you, but no, it's only fair. I'll be on holiday for a couple of weeks. And honestly, can any of you imagine Bryce in this seat? I could probably just talk for an hour myself, just mouthing off about things. And and this monologue. Uh Ah. I can just see you. And now we move on to liars. <laughs> That's a Father Ted yeah. reference yeah. before any of you live bots start going crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I, I struggled to see you like opening the show and closing the show and all that sort I of thank stuff. you for your confidence in that move. <laughs> I'm sure you'd do a fine job, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to you. So yeah, apologies. One day, one day I'll host this podcast and I'll have... Oh, some awesome guests sitting across from me and you'll be sitting at home going, how did he do that? What's your plans for editing? You're going to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, actually, right, for a laugh, for something different, the final episode of this year, calling it now, before we break for Christmas, you can host and I'll sit in your seat. Right, okay. How's that? That's fine. Done. Excellent. Done. Excellent. Before we move on, we have a survey out there just now. We want to hear from you. We want to get your thoughts on Bunkered. Tell us everything you like about us, everything you think we could do more of, less of, change, blah, 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 blah. We want your input that's going to help shape, what, the next few years of all things Bunkered, Bryce. Look, it was your idea. 
you tell people about it. <laughs> it wasn't my idea. <laughs> yeah, we want to know everything about our print world and our digital world. No comment will go unnoticed. Everything, even if you want to delete Michael's column, just tell us. Okay. <laughs> A more nominated column. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we want to hear from you. So you can go to the Bunkered website, bunkered.co.uk. It's pretty heavily signposted there how to do it. Doesn't take long, the survey. 10, 12, 13 minutes, something like that. And, and we've got four chances to win a £50 online golf voucher. Fantastic. You could use that to buy some new golf shoes. Yeah, or trousers. And socks. To cover up the legs. And you wore football shorts in Spain as well. Multi-purpose athletic wear. The next issue out next week is a fascinating read of people savaging me for my opinion on dress codes in golf. In the letters page. Sorry? Yep. I won't say anything else. Just get the next issue and read the letters page and watch me be obliterated by readers, <laughs> readers from my opinion. <laughs> okay, speaking of the next issue, that's a pretty strong plug, but yeah. by the time you're listening to this, then we will be putting the fashion touches to it. It'll be going to print, and as Bryce said earlier, we'll be on sale next week and hitting doormats, etc. for subscribers. It is a great-looking issue. Can you give people any sneak peek, if you like, in an audio sense, Bryce? Yes, there is a special on the new Titleist driver, which has caused a bit of a stushy on tour. It's awesome. We've hit it. We've done a review. There's a review on our website coming. It'll be on our YouTube channel this week. Mm -hmm. And we have a rather special star, top 10 player of the PG Tour, who we spoke to, who hit it, who's fitted into it, tells us all about how he uses it, for his um, own game and his strategy and how he goes about the golf course off the tee. And he's our cover star. I'm mm. not going to tell you who it is. Oh, okay. But top 10? Yes. In the world? Yes. Very nice. Excellent. So, as we said, it'll be on sale next week. If you want to guarantee that you get every edition of Bunker, the best way to do it is to take out a subscription. We've got an excellent offer coming up as well where if you subscribe to the mag you will also not only save money on the cover price you will also get free balls is that right yes and everybody loves free balls <laughs> don't i know it i went to spain with uh, i'd have loved to have taken a note of the the weight of my bag going out and the, and the weight of it coming, coming back, back yes because it would have been somewhat different only lost three balls at valderrama though that's not bad two out of bounds one in the drink that helps when you only had 120 yards off the tee <laughs> bunker.co.uk forward slash sub offer if you want to take advantage of our latest deal and that way you won't miss a single thing right BMW PGA Championship taking place at the home of the DP World Tour it's not necessarily the event that it once was I think it's probably quite fair to say but they've assembled an absolutely superb field once again noticeably 18 of those players are live golfers. A mm -hmm. lot of noise around that. Should they be playing? Should they not? Rory McIlroy thinks they shouldn't be. I noticed that there are some players who are sitting out this week who thought they were getting in but aren't now because live guys have taken up the option. Should they be playing, Bryce? Probably, yeah. They earned a right. It does seem quite a stretch to, to not let them play. And this is the thing, the European Tour or DP Tour of really created a real problem for themselves because they, if they kick these guys out, 
their so-called former flagship event is even more diminished than that. If I was BMW, I would be pretty disheartened if those 18 guys didn't get in. I think they need to create a proper field that justifies their ticket price and the venue and the stature of that event. Kicking those guys out doesn't do that. But it then makes a problem for them down the line because they're involved with live golfers. Mm-hmm. But then I noticed that they've said things like, you know, and not allowed live branding and, you know, Patrick Reed's turning up with live all over the place and he's not allowed to do that. Which is, I mean, that's unbelievable. When you think about that, that they've been sent those orders that you cannot do this, you cannot do that. I just find that, what a mess. What an absolute mess. BMW used to be this really exciting flagship event. I am on record as saying I'm not a huge fan of Wentworth. I think they made their changes, didn't think it really did much for the golf course. But it's you can't deny it's got a history there. They'll get big crowds. You know, that that's a well supported event. I don't think it makes any sense to say that they can't come in. I think that's a bit of a mess. Yeah. There's the commercial consideration, isn't there? Like you yeah. hit on it. BMW want the strongest possible field. The fight in golf, that's not their problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, BMW are there for eyeballs. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a, a lot of it is because it's the flagship was the flagship event. Ian Poulter played the Czech Masters a few weeks ago. Nobody really batted that much of an eyelid. Now they're coming over en masse to an event that's got lots of money. It's a Rolex series event. Lots of world ranking points as well. That is it. If if a live guy wins that, they jump the rankings, they'll be going to Dubai, all that stuff. and Exemptions. Exemptions. They could have a really, really... Keith Pelly could have a massive headache in a couple of months when it comes to Dubai, season ending, and a live guy wins it. I mean, horrendous headache. Mm-hmm. Because that that allows them to do their photo ops. It's, it's the big end of, year, end of year bonanza. It's the whole ethos of what they've been playing for all season. And it'll be won by a guy who doesn't want to be there. It's got potential to be a PR disaster. Mm-hmm. So you'll be praying that none of them do well this week. The tournament itself... I've lost interest largely in the the PGA over the last few years. Don't like the new place in the calendar. Other events have overtaken it for me in terms of importance and status and field quality and depth. I'm with you. I'm not a huge fan of the West Course. What can it do, though? Because I I know that's not unique to me or you. There's other people out there feeling the same thing. What can it do to? I don't know, but it's been it's been thrown in after. It's been thrown in after the, the the FedEx before the Ryder Cup. And it's lost its May spot. Mm-hmm. And that's when it was exciting. I remember, I remember when Scott Drummond won the BMW yeah. PGA. That was a huge deal. I mean, that was, that changed his life. I remember speaking to him on the phone after that. And he said, it's just unbelievable. Like, he was absolutely buzzing that somehow he'd won that event. Changed his life. Mm-hmm. I just don't get that. It's like they've shunted it towards the end of the year. Like They don't have that build up. It doesn't have the prestige that it's got. That's what the PGA Tour did a really good job of four or five years ago was create this magnitude of events from February all the way to the end of August. Mm-hmm. And DP World at that point were standing in the background going, wait a minute, where, where, where do our events fit in this? And so they've moved things about, but it doesn't have the... Yeah, it's funny, you, you said the same thing, but it, I can't put my finger on why it's just not that big a deal anymore. I think it's a great event. It feels like an afterthought in terms yeah. of the whole season, doesn't it? Because previously, May, it was building towards the big events, the US Open and the Open. The big 
out with the Masters, the big events were still to come and it was part of the the crescendo towards them. Now it's not. It's it's a month and a half removed, nearly two months removed from the Open, which was the most recent big event. I don't care about the FedEx Cup, sorry. It's the most recent big event. It just feels like it's part of the but end of season wind See, down. the other thing is, in England, it's a big event. Gets good crowds. It's a big deal in England. It's like the Scottish Open up here is... Mm. We talk about the Scottish Open. People, even random golfers, you know, that bit part non-keen golfer will know about the Scottish Open and who's playing in it. And they might, you know, I might go in the Saturday or whatever. And that gets talked about. That's, the BMW is similar to, I think if we lived in, if we lived in London, mate, it'd be different. I think you would, you would have a different perspective on the BMW PGA. But because we're jocks and we're up here, we don't necessarily have that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Know what I mean? <laughs> Good beef impression, by the way. Decent. Oh, well, yeah. It's a bit more polter now, but yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of beef, before we go on, did you notice on Twitter last week he announced he's got a new YouTube channel where he is barbecuing? Brilliant. That is absolutely awesome. Beef on barbecues. What what more could you ask for? So go on to to Beef's Twitter account, find the link to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Well, should add it, subscribe to the Bunker YouTube channel as well. Well, sure, there two birds, one stone, but that does look like it's going to be, as they would say, exceptional content, Bryce. Exceptional. Anyway, right. So before we move on to Pod of Merit Honesty Box quiz time. So the question I posed before the break: Eleven Spaniards have played in the Ryder Cup. Name them. I know this is going to piss me off because I can. There's somebody I think of, and I cannot remember his name. Okay. It's doing my head in. <laughs> right, go tell me. Tell me. So I've got, got. Alathabal, mm-hmm. Garcia, Seve, Jimenez, Cabrera Bale, Miguel Angel Martin. No bollocks. Now there'll be people crashing their cars out now. Going, you did, you did. The clues in the question: Spaniards that played in the yeah, he was picked and then kicked out, wasn't he? Well, yeah, he had an injury. Uh, going into it, and he said he could play. Did he not play like a, a, a an eighteen hole? I can prove I'm fit. He, he basically did a match fitness test, and then they still said, "Now nah, you're out." And it got quite like a John Hartson. Yes, it got quite dirty. I'm sure there was maybe legal shenanigans at that. Yeah, time he fell, well. I'm sure he fell out with Seve big time. Yeah, yeah, mind you, he didn't. And <laughs> so, uh, no, I'm not, not him. That's, that's that's not a good. Uh, that's a real bad one. You've oh, got five. Jose Rivero. 1985 and 87. Well done. Thank you. And whew, there's going to be somebody really obvious. Larathabal's never made Ryder Cup. He hasn't. I know, that's what I said. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to mind game me there, weren't you? I, I, you, you threw me a glance that made me think, me is, is this glance a question mark? No, I, I, I know he's never played that. <laughs> trying to puff that. <laughs> Very niche. Thank you. If you've seen Get Him to the Greek, you'll know what Bryce was talking about. I think I'm done. I can't think okay. of anybody else. Okay, we're drawing a line. No more names after this point. How many was that? Six? Six out of 11. Over 50%, but just. Thank you. You're missing Jose Maria Canizares. Oh, no. Antonio Garrido. Oh, Garrido. The most hated. I hate Garrido. Why? He's a horrible guy. I remember I spoke to him years ago. He just wasn't very nice to me. Oh. I was a young... Aspiring journalist. Still am. (laughs) 
And he was just a tosser. Was he really? Yeah, he was a, not, a, not a very nice person. So we've got Antonio Garrido, also Ignacio Garrido. Ignacio, that's his dad, isn't it? Antonio's the older one. Oh, I'm not sure. they oh father, sorry, or... I take it back. Antonio, I hugely apologise. It's Ignacio that I don't like. You're okay with Antonio? Yeah, he's a good guy. One okay. of the great guys. So Canizares, double Garrido's. Double Garrido's? It sounds like somebody's <laughs> ordering a bar in Fortaventura. <laughs> Can I have a couple of double Garrido's, please? Do <laughs> <laughs> you like ice? Yes, please. <laughs> He played in 1981 and 1985, Manuel Pinero. Oh, I would not have got that. <laughs> and John Ram. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> John Ram. Do you know why? Do you know why I haven't thought of that? Because he's had a shocking year. He has. He has, you're right. He has been, dis- what a disappointment, considering what he did last year. Yeah. What a disappointing year, John Ram. I thought that every time he's pegged it up in the big event, I just thought, you've not got it. Just something about John Ram this year, and he's cost me in that quiz. He, he has. Uh, it was funny because you started you started with the Lathabal, then Garcia, and I thought, Christ, he's not going to say Seve. You pulled it back. A couple of great ones that you got. I'm going to give you credit. You know, Jose Rivero, phenomenal. And Rafa can be easily forgotten, 2016, because let's face it, as Europeans, we've tried to forget. But, yeah, John Ram's a bit of a mess. John Ram, yeah, that's bad. Delete that bit out of the pod. Edit that out. Pay rise and I'll do it. <laughs> Just leave it in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know how you got on and be honest. There's no way we can prove it, but come on. you know, so It's only a game, folks. So send us a DM. Tell us, could you beat Bryce's 6 out of 11? Did you beat Bryce's 6 out of 11? Get in touch and let us know. Other quizzes available on the Bunkered website as well. Check out the quizzes tab on the homepage. Right, Podder of Merit. Two weeks ago, obviously, it was the Tour Championship. Bryce, you fluked a point um, going into that, so you managed to get the honour. Almost won it as well. Yeah, you picked Scotty Scheffler, who started with, obviously, an advantage as he was number one in the race to Dubai. Race to Dubai? (laughs) No, he hasn't. What is it? The other one, FedEx Cup. He didn't win in the end, thanks to Rory. What an incredible... We haven't even talked about what Rory did there, but phenomenal. When the PGA Tour needed a man to stand up, he did. All credit to Rory. You going to give him anything? Any credit? You've got this thing that I'm not a Rory fan. Are you? Sticks in your gut that I criticise him every now and no, then. You're like, I'm a Rory fan. It's not nice. <laughs> no, I, I said after it, are we all going to jump on the... Masters preview bandwagon right now and say he's going to win it. Is that? And then everyone did. Did <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm a laugh. So long, that, long, long way away the Masters. Yeah, phenomenal year for Rory. Pleased he's. I'm not going to say back because he kind of was anyway. Yeah, but he's played some great golf. I'm gutted he didn't get the Open. Mm-hmm. Glad he got that because no, no doubt about it, he's under pressure there. Mm-hmm. Thought he was brilliant. He hit some great shots, and I think it showed Rory's got. A newfound focus. Well, you looked at the stats and you saw something in Rory's game that's different no, what, from this year to last. Yeah, it, well, it wasn't me. The, the, the stat was Justin Ray. But I did say at the Masters, I said, leading up to that Masters, I said, from the middle of the fairway, Rory's hopeless. I, I, at the time, he was, at, on my, the way I looked at the stats, it was like from 100 to 125 or 150 yards, he was something like 180th on tour, <sighs> which on tour is effectively last. Yeah. 
he's brutal from the middle of the fairway. He was rubbish. And, and I said that at the time at the Masters when he was hitting shots into greens, he was turning away, he knew it just wasn't good enough. Something wasn't right. His iron game was brutal. We all know about putting, and, but putting you can fix. Mm. Putting's streaky as well. So sometimes you're you're good with your putter, sometimes you're not. And if your rest of your game's working, you can get away with it. You can't get away with nothing when you can't hit an iron. can't get away with anything. I read yesterday, it was on PGA Tour's website, that he went from 50 to 125 yards. He was 208th on tour. Two, that is last. Oh, 209 through the Masters. <laughs> Within something like seven or eight weeks, he was first. So he has grafted Rory this year. He has worked on mm. his game. He's worked on his weaknesses because you cannot be at the top level and have parts of your game that just don't work. So there's no doubt about that, that this is the difference that Rory was going into the Masters the previous years had flaws. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I don't think Rory has many flaws. I think Rory at the moment, and his, tour, his peers will know this, Rory will be feared. His game's in cracking shape. And it's probably why he's playing, I'm sure there's some politics involved, and probably why he's playing more over here. He's wanting to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I think he will want to make a statement. And I'm not getting caught up in the master stuff, but if he keeps going the way he is, he will be feared because he's playing some exceptional golf. Absolutely spot on. Long, long time until the Masters. You know, long so time. He's got to maintain that That's level. It. That's very hard to do. That's it. He's been so. here before, before COVID hit. Remember the stretch yeah. that Rory was on right before COVID? Phenomenal. And that's not allowing for other players just showing up and yeah, him as well. Look, look at John Ram. John Ram. The thing about Rory is John Ram's not going to play as poorly for his standards next season as he did this season. I thought John Ram this year was a big, big letdown. Mm-hmm. He didn't turn up in the big events. Don't know why. I've not even looked into it. But you'll be able to go in and see what he's not been doing right. I'm sure he will do what Rory did in the middle of this season and figure it out. So Rory came through at the Tour Championship at East Lake, won the title, $18 million richer as well. I worked this out. Rory earned something like 90 cents per second for the last 12 months. Every second, 90 cents in his back pocket. Decent. It's not bad, is it? It's okay. Which was actually, his win was whilst good for the fan and you, bad for the Podder of Merit player. Because it meant that your man Scheffler finished in a tie for second. I went for Xander Schofley, who finished fourth. So you still get the point, Bryce, but you must have thought you were getting two. I did at one point, and then when uh, Scheffler just sort of... Um, well, he just kind of made a hash in that, didn't he? He just he started did. so poorly. Let's be honest, it was poor. Considering the position that he started from with the advantage... Considering at one point, was he not six shots clear? Yeah, well, that 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 messes with your head. I genuinely think that plays with you because it, also and he, he'll know that he's not really in the stroke play sense. He's not really in the yeah. front. So I think that messes with your head. That That's the only thing that I think is quite exciting about the Tour Championship is it plays with players' heads. Like, where are they going? Xander Schofley is absolutely minted for that golf course. I think if you set them all on level pegging and said, right, go yeah. shoot. I'm pretty sure you'd be putting your money and money on uh, Sander Schofley, mm-hmm. but he just gets shafted by this handicap system yeah. every year. It's a joke. The only good thing about it this year was that Rory did have the lowest score to pass. Yes. So the right man, the right won. man won this year. Yeah. Not always been the case, though, as you rightly say. Anyway, your point now makes the standings: Bryce three, Michael seven, 
two points on the bounce, Bryce. Comeback is on. Will it continue this week at the BMW PGA Championship? That's the question. Who are you picking? Rory. You... Wentworth is a... I, I, from what I remember, Wentworth is a, a plotting golf yep. course. I think the, there's... You need to be. You can't just hit it anywhere in Wentworth. I think it's quite a plot. It's, you did use a bit of strategy, mm-hmm. and um, I think his length will suit. And I think also the fact that he's in London, mate. Big crowd, big occasion, TV audience. I think he will have a lot to prove to people. And the love element as well. Yeah, you'll want I mean. to beat them down. Yeah, won't you? you want to beat them. Mm-hmm. I think you'll have some serious desire to go out there and stamp his authority in that event and he will do it pick me up a point and to be honest I don't really care who you pick I was going to pick Rory for all of those reasons and now I'm having to have a rethink my backup plan this is a strange one because he's not played especially well by his standards this year but again yeah Terrell Hatton. I knew you were going to pick him. Did you? Yep. He's got a good record there. Yeah. He does. And he, you know what I mean? Though? He's, he's not had a good year in terms of contending uh, and winning events. But he does seem to play well at this time of year. Uh, his Dunhill Lynx yeah, record yeah, proves yeah, it. Yeah, his yeah, Wentworth record proves it. Yep. Finishes a year strong. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. And the thing is, see for all the, the talk about Liv and the animosity and the snidiness, He's not been involved at all. No. It's passed him by. You know, he's not, I don't think, really been asked anything about it. And if he has, he's not said anything controversial. He's just getting on with business. And if there is shenanigans this week and noise this week, it won't affect him because it hasn't to this point. So he won't have distractions. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Good luck. Thanks. Terrell Hatton versus Rory McIlroy in the pod of merit this week. As I say, 3-7 as it stands. Finish up with Honesty Box. Bryce, former equipment editor of Bunker, this should be right in your wheelhouse. If you could resurrect any lost golf brand or piece of golf equipment, what would you like to bring back? Good one. To be honest, probably... We were talking about this a while ago in the office, like old irons and so on, and... Mm. I like the Ben Hogan Apex irons, yeah. the great irons. I do think as a brand itself, not just a club, but a, a brand, Maxfly, and I'll be honest, I don't even know what's happened to Maxfly. But Maxfly were just a great brand. You know, the great iron, Maxfly Australian Blades, I had a set of them. Did well, you? My, my dad did. And then I got them. I was playing Blades when I was about 12. Just because <laughs> I, I got my hand me downs. <laughs> <laughs> the ego, the ego was rife then, but yeah, they were great clubs, and the driver was great. And I remember used to was it, what was the Maxfly Balata ball you used to find? They were great balls. Mm-hmm. That was like the the eighties Pro V one. Yeah. Great balls. Maybe you find one of them. You're like, yes. <laughs> uh, no, I like that. Great brands like I know Ram are back. Mm-hmm. Rams get great history. McGregor. My very first set of irons were Brownings, and I've. No idea what happened to that brand. But it's funny, you had brands that just did sort of beginner. Yeah. And they used to sell bucket loads. But then, if you think about golf now, there aren't a huge amount of brands. No. That's the thing. No, it's much 
tighter. Yeah, it's not, not a lot of them. It's, uh, selling golf equipment is seriously hard. Mm-hmm. So probably, I'd probably go, I'd like to see Maxfly. And it's, as, a, I, as a brand, yeah. As a brand, I'll probably bring them back. But those Australian, those Maxfly Australian blades, if you had a set of them and you're listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. They were minted. Why were they so good? They were just, I mean, I know they were the first true blades that I'd ever seen. And right. I know I had a set of tightless blades four or five years ago and they were absolutely MBs. They were absolutely minted. They were beautiful. And I could tell them. Of course I could. <laughs> They're beautiful. But those Australian blades were the first ones I'd really ever seen or experienced. I don't know what it was. They were just, they were, they were tiny. Like really thin top line. Yeah, yeah, yeah all of that yeah. stuff. They were tiny. Okay. John Letters. Yeah. John Letters trilogies. Yeah. Remember the days of the trilogies, the original trilogies? They were great clubs. McGregor made great clubs. It's funny to think all these brands that just didn't um, didn't kick on. And some of them won major championships, like, you know, Ram and I think Tom Watson won with Ram clubs and so on. So Did he? Yeah, I think so. Jeez, oh. You're talking about blades and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you don't see many one irons around these days, obviously. I think hybrids have, have put paid to that. Did you notice on social media over the weekend a zero iron a zero yes. iron now that I've never seen anything like that before never I didn't know that existed terrifying I know that's, I, that's nightmare fuel I had a one iron I had John Letters one iron and for a, for years and years I had a two iron I never had a problem hitting them I could always hit them I don't know why and it's probably because <laughs> ball striker <sighs> yes but one I, is a flusher. <laughs> one does flush one's one iron. But I did, I had a one iron for years and I always loved it. Would I play one now? No. But people forget things were different then. Mm-hmm. You had no option but to hit that. You had to. You had to hit it. I didn't, I didn't want to hit a five wood. You know, and I remember when drive when when drivers looked like today's five wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, John Huggin is now spewing if he's listening <laughs> to this. But that's that's what it was. I mean, they've just the change is remarkable. But yeah, yeah one irons, and I saw that zero iron last night. Like, I'd love to get my hands on it. Absolutely, no, I don't think I would. Just to say you'd hit it, or yeah. to that you attempted to hit it. Yeah, it's funny. Like so many brands have have gone if you like Sonartex the one that stands out for me I mean you can buy the clubs I actually have a Sonartex uh, yeah. 3 iron hybrid in, Strata in Strata balls wow Spalding Spalding yeah Top Flight Penf- I mean I think but Top I think, Flight are still going I think Callaway own Top Flight or they did own Top Flight they? yeah but if you think about there's obviously a business in Top Flight because you sell those golf yeah. balls to ranges so there's, yeah. a, there's a there's money to be made there here's one for you Adams. Adams, yeah. Made phenomenal, phenomenal hybrids. Yeah, that was were, their big thing. They, their big thing was hybrids on the, was it the senior champions yeah. tour? They dominated the totally champions dominated. tour hybrids. They were bought by, I think, TaylorMade and went not all that long ago. It's only in the last three, four years maybe that they, yeah. they ceased a manufacture. There's one other bloody obvious one and that's Nike. Yeah. And I genuinely do still miss Nike products because every year, you know what it's like, all the big brands release all their big products and drivers is always the one you look forward to the most. When Nike released a driver, you knew all about it. Like the Covert and, you know, the the one that had the, the big True. chunk taken out the back of True, it. True, they tried, but the, the, their drivers were the reason they didn't, they didn't catch the market. If you want to be a serious golf brand these days, 
You have to have a driver that people go, wow, that is phenomenal. They no like identity, that. did they? Yeah, the drivers. Not, they tried so many things, but that's the thing. You want to be a serious player in the market. If you look at all the brands that selling drivers these days, you know, you look at Ping. Ping's drivers yeah. work. They they do what they say on the tin. They work, and people play them on tour. They have proper representation. Same with Callaway, Taylor Made, Titleist. The stuff that Titleist have done with drivers in the last four or five years is absolutely remarkable. They're leading counts on the tour, which is unbelievable. We'll have their new driver on our YouTube site this week, and it's f- absolutely phenomenal. And you get Cobra, yeah, who make. Phenomenal clubs and they're cheaper. Yeah. And they're great. And they get they've got long drivers playing that. So You almost need to create brands within brands, I think, as well. Well, you, like you, Pro V one. You've got you to have that is you, if you make if you want to be a serious player now, you have to have a legitimate driver. Mm-hmm. And ta- Nike didn't ever really do that. Mm-hmm. They didn't get people who weren't Nike players playing their driver. Yeah. And that's that's what you need. That's what Titleist have got. So there's some guys on tour who are not necessarily a Callaway or a TaylorMade or a, a Titleist or a Cobra contract or a Ping contract. Some guys are playing Titleist drivers but and they're not being paid to. That's when you have validation. Nike just didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And their irons were great. Their yeah. wedges were great. I actually like some of their method putters. I think they were well-made products. The proof of their irons, for example, there was a lot of players, Tom, Tommy Fleetwood, yeah, yeah. Tony Finau, Paul Casey, who were using them yeah, yeah. up until very recently. Yeah. Still using them on tour, despite you know having nowhere to go if they broke. Uh-huh. Just that, that trust in them. But if you were to say to somebody in the street, you know, tell me about a Callaway driver, they'll be able to go like Big Bertha. Yeah. You know, somebody will say Sim Two or you know yeah, R Seven, whatever. Nike, they'll go. Eh, what that. It's yeah. just not, it doesn't roll off the tongue in that. If you can't do that, it means you're not selling them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, in answer to the question though, I, you actually just mentioned it there. If I could bring back any piece of old golf equipment, not because it would necessarily be better than anything that's out there just now, I don't know if it would be, but because it was just such a big deal at the time and I lusted after it, R7. The R7? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely lusted. Taylor made R7. It was. Yeah, it just looked phenomenal. Yeah, and Absolutely. it was ex- it was exciting with adjustable I, weights. Yeah, yeah, I remember I went to Glen Eagles to try that. I think I was I was the first person in the country to hit that driver at the time. Really, and uh, I remember thinking that is that is phenomenal. And it made it made a big jump in everyone's world when it came to drivers because they'd put so much effort into it. Yeah. There was proper R and D thought behind that. Not that I'm saying that it didn't exist before, but they made a concerted leap. Yeah. Well, it's the first time, I think, in driver technology in the modern era that you've had a tech story that you could see. Yeah. So many other, it's like, it's within and, you know, it's inside and it's a bit of weight saving and it's different material, but you could look at that and go, I know what the change is. And they played on the price. It was expensive. Yeah. They played on the price. That was known in America as a thousand, golf's like first thousand pound, thousand dollar driver. Because it had that whole. Thousand dollars, really? Yeah, that, they had that whole, if you spec it up, that's what it could be. Or you mean with the right shafts? Yeah, and, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that, that was a big deal at the time, but people bought it. Jeez, oh. But it was, it was... It's cool. One of those ones that you, you go to bed at night and you just hope that it's in your dreams. Because <laughs> that's as close as a chopper like me was ever going to get. Anyway, let us know. Get in touch, send us a DM. What would you like to resurrect? Whether it's a golf brand or a particular piece of equipment. We didn't even touch on square drivers there, perhaps, obviously. 
there was a hexagonal driver I'm sure at one point too mm-hmm. so let us know get in touch that is it for this week and indeed as mentioned for a couple of weeks I will be putting the feet up yeah enjoy the office without me Bryce I'm sure you'll cope I'll just work from home <laughs> it's not the same without you Michael you mean that no I'm no right. I didn't think you did <laughs> <laughs> but please stay across all bunker platforms whilst I'm off and beyond follow us on Twitter I'm at M and Golf. Bryce is at B Richie Golf. And of course, at Bunkered Online, you'll find us Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, our website, bunkered.co.uk. And remember to subscribe to the magazine as well. It is the only way that you can guarantee that you'll get a copy of every issue because it sells out. It's as simple as that. People love the magazine and they'll go and buy it. So if you're not fast, you're last. Or just subscribe. On that note, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, bye-bye for now.